When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everyone. Just a heads up that this season finale episode is a little lengthier than usual and a little more intense than usual. As always, content warnings are available in the show notes. Please take care of yourselves. And thanks for riding with us throughout season four. good dancer let's be very clear i'm not a great dancer by any stretch of the imagination but i love to dance it's just it feels good mm. sometimes my best friend when we go to a club or something she'll be like i'll start dancing and i'll just dance however i want to and then she'll just walk away from me <laughs> she's like nope and that's like this i do embarrassing dancing i'm probably like what is it like mom dancing or dad dancing like that's me yeah that's the only kind i know i mean that's you know again it's just fun right Previously, in Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston. Episode 52. Yeah. Okay. 
really suddenly, without much thought or prayer going into it, it can end very suddenly. I pick them up on the side of the road, all. They look awful, covered in dirt and white ash. I'm barely on the shoulder before I bounce out of the car and press Ernesto into me. I squeeze him so tight I lift him into the air. He, he laughs as if he didn't just bust out of jail. I look them over again. They'll never fit in our tiny car and I can't risk... I can't risk calling attention. The short girl says she'll take a cab and meet the rest of them back at Wonderland. She says, Ty Guy, you're with me. And then she's gone. A few profanities thrown in too. Before she walks away, she points to three of the others and asks them to spend some quality time. They get in the back. The girl in the middle is squeezed tightly in the back and she's... She's holding a crystal ball. She looks sad. They all do. Ernesto does too. And I realize I still have to tell him. We have to move in with my aunt out in Springfield. I couldn't handle it on my own after quitting my job and it's too much. I'm so glad he's back. I reach over and squeeze his hand. I'm losing my home, but he's my home. I try to remember that and try not to be sad. He's back. He's out. And he's my home. He's my home forever. Hey, buddy, can't you read the sign? We're closed. Oh, I know. I just... Would it, would it be okay if I just sat here a moment? What can I get you? Uh, scotch on the rocks, if you don't mind. Coming right up. <sighs> Thank you. Oh... Oh, that's good. Oh, it's been a strange day. Very strange. I run this place for 22 years. I've seen my share of drunks and hysterics in that time, but never had a day like today. Three different people came in. Weren't even sauced. Not really. And just burst into tears. That's not normal. Not even for a bar. No, no. Not normal at all. Strange day. You take as long as you like. I'll just be cleaning up. Thanks. Let us out of here. You can't hold us here. We know our rights. Fat Stanley, you ain't no shit. Sit down. You tell him, Stinky Pete. Shut up, weasel. Val, you okay? Yeah, I... I'm... 
No. No, I'm not okay. I don't know why, but I'm not okay. Don't worry. We'll get out of here. We did the right thing. I know, I just... can't help but feel like we still lost. And I don't like losing. Val, that wasn't the game. This was just an inning. And we may be on the bench, but the team is still out there. Still playing, still swinging. And you know what I always say? You don't have to leave every inning up. It's the score in the last inning that counts. So keep your chin up. We've got lots of game more to play before ninth. Thanks, coach. You ever think we talk in baseball metaphors too much? Okay. So the situation we're in is like a pizza. And sometimes it feels like a slice has anchovies. But really, it was artichokes. And then you realize your whole life that you didn't know the difference between... Okay, yeah. Point taken. Stick to baseball. I ride in between them, the two siblings, in the back seat of Lucia's car. The ball is in my lap, cradled between my knees, my hand pressing down to keep it steady. I can hear him, but he's lost, scrambled, spent. He knows. Knows what? You're both here. He knows you're all together. I... I do. It's... It's on pressing matters. In the meantime, we should confront the... In the meantime, proverbial elephant in the room. Proverbial elephant in the room. I... Dimitri? Nika? Is he in pain? It's not pain. It's something else. Like he's lost. But both of you being here helps. I'm tempted to reach out, to put my hand on the ball, to try and connect with him. I've been warned that's not a good idea, but it's been so long since... since I... I know what needs to happen, but how can we do it? How can I say goodbye again when I... when we finally have him back? My hand shoots out to grab the ball, to to hold it, to say I'm sorry, to tell Leon that... I wish I tried harder and did better at all sorts of things, but especially in finding him, in bringing him home. But Dimitri reaches his hand out at the same time, and he he grabs mine. We look at each other, and we both laugh at the awkwardness of it, and then then I grip his hand tight, and he grips mine back, right over Gemma's lap, right over Leon. He loves you guys. So, so much. Did he say that? Always. Actions. More than words. That was how he did it. It was just a part of who he was. He saw us at our best, even when we weren't delivering. Weather today is humid, and the temperature will creep up into the high 80s. It won't be long now. 
We're almost home. I woke up and the weird guy was making me pancakes, but made out of bananas. They don't taste bad. I like bananas, but the weird guy smells like spinach. I tell him I had a dream last night. I ask him if he wants to hear about it. He says that dreams are very powerful, so I tell him. In my dream, I try to eat anything I want, except it's not banana pancakes. It's real pancakes and a giant bottle of syrup and bacon and sausage. At this point, the weird guy cringes. <laughs> His face turns purple. I keep going, though. So then this guy with a fuzzy face shows up. He's always moving. He hands me a sword and tells me if I take it and agree to fight, I can eat. But he's always moving, and I, and, and I just don't know. I don't like the sword. There's red on it. Isn't there any other choice, I ask? No, the fuzzy face guy says. But then a ball rose up. A ball. And the ball talks like a man. And the ball says, don't listen to him. There's always another choice. And then the ball is gone. It disappears. And I woke up. And then I asked the word guy where my moms were. He says they're at a meeting and we're going too. My connection to Mary Wollstonecraft is no more. I imagined this day would come eventually, but that doesn't change the hollow pit I felt in my stomach when I woke this morning. As if my guiding light had finally been extinguished, despite my best efforts to hang on. But maybe that's for the best. I've spent so much time trying to follow her advice, chasing her every whim without question, rarely taking so much as a moment to consider how that feverish pursuit might impact those around me. And gosh, there are so many people around me, between my myriad partners in the family, that ragtag troop of revolutionary journalists that make up the underground, or everyone else here seeking out refuge in Wonderland. I am responsible toward, or at the very least indebted to, so many living and breathing spirits. Heck, I even find myself... At this very moment in time, cleaning up after making breakfast for the son of Gemma Linzer Coolidge. A task I never would have previously imagined undertaking, let alone voluntarily. Maybe it's okay that it's time to stop letting Mary Wollstonecraft take the wheel. Maybe, just maybe, I don't need her anymore. And with this newfound freedom from my spiritual guide's influence... It feels like time for one last name change. A name that didn't come from her messages to me or a ballot box stuffed by my former co-workers, but from my mother herself. Gerald Paletti. Because for as long as I've spent trying to seek out who I should be separate from the identity I was born into the world with, to forge my own path forward through Earthman and panda bear, and extinction event, and freed friend, and yes, even dipshit. Maybe who I was looking for this whole time was Gerald all along. You know... I was sitting on my porch this morning having some grapefruit juice and a couple of eggs and was just watching this bee. And I couldn't help but 
wonder, wouldn't it just be nice to be a bee? Got some cool as shit wings. You spend all your time munching on some pretty flowers and at the end of it all, you get to help make honey. I mean, what could be cooler than that? Certainly not having to take part in some kind of fucking kangaroo court. Help put a woman away that, you know, isn't isn't really the one fully responsible for the lottery's crimes. God, the way she reacted when the verdict was read. Well, didn't reach. With that blank look on her face and laughed. Like this was exactly what she expected. No. Deserved. Even if she really didn't. It was frankly unsettling. And I can't really explain why, but... I woke up feeling exactly... I just, I, I just woke up feeling exactly like that this morning. Like something was worse about the world today than it was yesterday. And I'm partially responsible for that. And like, I deserve whatever comes next because of it. So, yeah, I I just really wish I could be a fucking bee right now. Or at least go back in time and and stick to my guns rather than listening to fucking Mark Wahlberg. I had a snake. I didn't love it. I didn't even like it, really. (laughs) But I had to have it. Because snakes are cool, right? Only a badass keeps a snake for a pet. And I wanted everyone to know I was a badass. So, they got me a snake. And a live mouse, because that's what snakes eat. That's what makes it badass, right? It doesn't even bother to kill its food first. Just swallows it whole and still kicking. (laughs) So, I have this mouse that I'm supposed to feed to the snake. But I just... didn't want to. The mouse was tiny and cute and warm, and it would curl up in my hand like... Still, I bragged about Beeflog to the guys at school. That was his name, (laughs) what I named the snake. I told everyone how cool Beeflog was, and how mean, and how awesome it was to watch him hunt, how funny the way the mouse's tail twitched as it went down was. I was lying, 100%. I still had the mouse in a shoebox under my bed. But I invite them over to see Beeflog after school anyway. So they all crowd around the tank, looking at Beeflog. <laughs> they love him. They're so impressed. I'm the man. <laughs> then one of them says, Brian, you got to show us how he eats. I start to say that I can't, uh, that I haven't got anything. But that stupid mouse picks that moment to start running around in his shoebox. And of course they hear it. So now I've got no choice. I have to feed Beeflog, or they'll think I'm just some chicken shit. They'll think I'm a... 
you know, the kinds of things kids like us called each other in eighth grade. Some words I try not to use anymore. So I take out my mouse. The mouse that I still pretend I never gave a name. Don't ask. I have never said it out loud and I never will, but I... Do what you're supposed to do when you've got a live mouse and a hungry snake. And the snake did what a hungry snake does with a live mouse. And it wasn't funny at all. But I laughed because everyone else was laughing. So I had to laugh too. We had our inside jokes about that for years. With our hand gestures, wiggling our fingers like how his little legs were going. The next time my parents bought a mouse for beef log, I dropped it out the window into the grass. That's what I kept doing. Every week, a new mouse right out the window until beef log finally died. And that was my fault, too. Hey, um, I just... I know you're busy, but I wondered if... Just call me when you can, okay? I miss you. I think I need a hug. Have you had to say goodbye to someone these past two years? And if you're comfortable talking about it, what was it like? Yes. My uncle, who recently passed. Um, That one was tough. I mean, there's other loved ones that I lost to that was tough, but in the past two years... Definitely my uncle. Mm-hmm. That one, that one took me. Um, that and my aunt, both of them actually they took me. No, oh, different. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, different. Um, those two death really took me because I never thought the last time I spoke to them was the last time I spoke to them. Never thought they were sick like that. It feels like it should be raining. It's not. It's been dry as a thorny desert lizard all dang day, but that rain feeling is still there. That staticky air pressure sensation, you know? I can't tell you how many times I've looked up at the sky expecting dark clouds, but it's nothing but blue all the way to the horizon. It feels wrong, the sky being so blue and bright while feeling so much like rain. It makes me want to cry. There's some kid who lives down the street. I only know this since I see their sidewalk chalk when I'm walking to the train sometimes. 
I always thought it was really cute. Felt like I actually knew my neighbors, like I was part of the community. But now that I'm moving, I'm starting to realize that it doesn't matter. I don't think anybody will miss us when we leave. God, I'm so glad that you're all right, Shimmers. Oh, there was a real hot minute there where I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case. But that Mallory kid really helped out. Got you exactly what you needed. I really don't think that I could handle losing you so soon after we first came into each other's lives. Or maybe I could, actually. I don't know. Something's off this morning. And while I'm so... I'm so glad that it isn't your precious little baby tummy like it was the other day. I can't do anything to shake the feeling that we're all a little bit worse off because of it. Uh, I guess all we can do right now is be there for each other, huh? My beautiful little Manzarelli Frangipelli. I just love you so goddamn much. Hello? Hello? Hello, Wanda. We are calling about a missing payment for your vehicle. You motherfucking asshats! For the umpteenth time, stop calling me! For fuck's sake. That's the third goddamn robo-fucker calling me today. Like, I have time for this. Christ! I don't even have a car! Delilah, can you believe this shit? You'd think they'd have the decency to do some basic goddamn research before running a scam on a person. Fucking amateurs. God, the bullshit I have to put up with every damn day. It's unbelievable. What is wrong with people? Today especially. Fuck. It's like they put crazy juice in the water. I wouldn't put it past them. Goddamn. Every fucking day. What was I doing? I was looking for something. Uh, what was it? Oh, fuck if I know. Hmm. I haven't seen Bernie in a few days. Where the hell is that fucker? Another call from that mayor guy? Why go to VM if you're busy? Mayor Bespin, this is... Mayor. Due to recent events, particularly the destruction of Braintree Station, Legion is concerned about the optics regarding your decision to lock the yard goats up after their protest on game night. We understand your reasoning, but if the team were really at the stadium at the time of the crash, well, they may have perished, which would have been a considerable loss of revenue all around. Perfect schedule. Well executed. Further, holding a political rival in jail for protesting may not be the best choice at a time when the city is under serious infrastructural scrutiny. Legion hopes to have a conference call shortly to discuss, hmm, softening your image somewhat. 
we need to rebrand. I'm sure you understand. Reach out when you can. Board it up, birdhouse. <laughs> I'm waiting for something, and it... <laughs> It's stupid. I have work today, but I'm sitting on this stupid bench because I woke up this morning and something was... is. I don't want to say it's wrong, but it's... it's... different? Different. It's... it's different. Like... For the last few years, there was this striving force, this... this damn ticking that was forcing the city to move... Forward, 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 tick, tick, tick. I don't know where it was trying to lead us or anything, but it was always, I don't know, there? Just at a hearing range? At least, I thought it was ticking until it got faster. Clocks don't do that. I guess that would make it closer to a pulse, a... A heartbeat. <laughs> the city had this weird little beating heart that was trying to do something. And this morning I woke up and it was just so quiet. I don't know. It made me sad. And I sat down to take a break and I just... haven't gotten back up. <laughs> Maybe I'm just waiting to see what... Fills the void. <sighs> you know, they just don't make these things like they used to. I've been working at this Magic Staples location for... Oh, going on ten years now? And the bigger our corporate offices get, the more corners they cut. For instance, a few years back, when we needed a new shipment of crystal balls, we had this incredible Tibetan Dugpa vendor that hand-blew them all, imbuing them with some pretty gnarly magics in the process. Now they just outsource surplus lucite from a keepsake ornament manufacturer in Worcester so they can slap a Made in the USA sticker on them and call it a day. Supernatural authenticity be damned. I wonder if any of those old balls are still out there. I really wish I'd gotten my hands on one before we discontinued the line. Gosh, what was the name of that company that cleared out our last shipment? Sixth Sense or something like that? I'll have to look them up. I want to say that they were buying employee gifts for promotions or something like that. Maybe if I could track them down, I could see if anybody would be willing to part with one for the right price. I like being a funeral director. You get to know some really interesting people. They're already dead before I get to know them, but that's the beautiful thing, right? I only ever see our honored guests through the eyes of the people who loved them. No matter how complicated they were in life, to me... They'll only ever be their best selves. By the time their funeral is complete, I always find I miss them. 
There are exceptions. The funerals of the most odious people offer a very different sort of catharsis to their, uh, loved ones, although that's not always the right phrase. But that's rare. Most people are loved. One of my honored guests wanted his funeral at a watch factory. That was hardly the most unusual. It didn't hold a candle to that funeral at Chuck E. Cheese. Or the sex museum funeral. That, that was awkward. But something about that watch factory stuck with me. All those ticking clocks and... Well, it's a cliché. Ticking clocks is a metaphor for mortality. And, but once you're up there surrounded by them, though, it's... It's hard not to feel affected by it. But then, his people started talking about how he used clocks and, and calendars and, and time itself. He cared about order, but he also cared about anticipation, about looking ahead to see what the people around him would need at any given moment. And I realized he didn't hear each tick as another lost moment of his life, like the way most of us would. He heard each tick as a new opportunity to make the people around him happier. I never had the opportunity to meet him until after he died, but I met him all the same. And I miss him. And if you decide to hold your grandmother's funeral here at Gladstone and Sons' final rest, I will look forward to meeting her and learning to miss her, as I do all my honored guests. A few years ago, um, my my dad took his own life, and it was right after I had moved uh, across the country. I didn't have anybody, uh, and my my family life was, you know, in in a struggling place. Uh, but my dad did drive me out, and it was the last time I saw him in person. I I had to say goodbye a couple times. For that, the the first time I think was when my dad had gone on uh, a, a a vendor of pills and booze and had run off uh, and was driving into the night, and uh, I'd called him and I was just trying to keep him on on the phone, and uh, because he was he was fucked up, he like skidded into a um into a mailbox and. He um, he crashed into that mailbox and he just sort of and I mean, I was only taking this from being what I could get out of uh, this man who is his mind was uh, eating itself and even then was heavily intoxicated. And I had to just sort of listen uh, as the rain fell and I just could hear his windshield wipers. I was just trying to keep him on the line, keep him awake. I didn't know whether he was, once he had fallen silent, I didn't know whether he was alive or, or not. And so I, I, had to, I had to make my peace there with that not being the case. Um, and then, you know, a month later, he, he drove me out uh, to, to live in California. And that was very kind, but it was the last time I got to see him. And well, I, again, you know, uh, occasionally, it's always the little things that get me sad. Like when it comes to the big stuff, if if I'm gonna be totally honest, I 
because of uh, the things that happened in the uh, months and, and let's say year or two running up to, to him passing away, uh, that p part of me is, is honestly glad because I know this was a man who is in uh, an insane amount of pain. His whole life had been falling apart and um, like on, on a certain level, like I, I, I can be glad for that. And then, but it's for the little things. It's for like, oh, I know that my dad would love this new kind of Oreo they have. Um, I can't text him. You have to try the new Oreos. Uh, let me think. I think it may have been a, like a mint one or like a birthday cake one. It's, I don't know. My dad loved Oreos of all kinds. I can't quite explain the cognitive dissonance one must go through to officially, legally mourn a person's absence when they've already been gone from your life for such a long time. There is a sort of death in divorce, anyway. But to have that contractually manufactured distance codified into something so much more permanent in the blink of an eye is... jarring, to say the least. Like, I feel like this part should have been over by now even if the finality of the situation hadn't quite sunk in until that train crashed. Still. Still. I'm entirely unprepared for the conversation ahead of me, Oliver. Even after all of the difficult talks we've had since you left us, we were both always tethered to the possibility that you might have it in you to change someday. Not for me. No, it was too late for that to mean anything, but for him. Because even though we've gotten through the impossible heartbreak of you choosing Third Sight Media over us, there was always a chance that maybe you'd come back. But that isn't a possibility anymore. And now, like so many of his other benchmarks, we have to go through this alone. <laughs> What's even worse... Is it before, when I was arguably already doing this by myself, I didn't feel like it, you know? I always imagined somebody standing just behind us, with an invisible hand on each of our shoulders, guiding us through the pain, heartbreak, and absolute soul-crushing mundanity of everyday life. And now that it's really over, and that you really aren't coming back, we're finally, truly by ourselves, the first time in our lives, as much as we should be used to it by now, we aren't. And I don't quite think we ever will be. Last night I dreamed that I was riding on the back of this really big triceratops. He had these shiny dopey eyes and this totally smooth blue skin, like a cartoon. Not all rough and scaly like my friend Rupert's beer pet bearded dragon is. Like I would have expected him to be. He didn't talk, but I could tell he was happy that we were together. Like he had so much in this dream world that he wanted to share with me, and there wasn't enough time to do it. But rather than waste our time thinking about where to go next, we followed this floating glass ball with a very kind voice that appeared before us. After adventuring for a while, we both got a little sleepy and a lot hungry, so the ball led us to this break in the trees. 
And the three of us found this huge orange watering hole where I could see all these other kids with their own dinosaurs resting and having snacks. He let me down off his back and led me to the stream and told me with his eyes and the ball's words that it was okay for me to do the same. The wildest part was that when I reached into what I thought was water and went to take a sip, it was actually my favorite mac and cheese. But right when I was about to take my second bite, I woke up. And for some reason, I felt pretty bummed. Like, I mean, I know they weren't real and all, but there was something super sad about not being together anymore. And as much as I wish I could go back to sleep tonight and see them all over again, Mom says that's not how dreams work. Ada? Yeah, Mom? Could I come in and talk to you for a second? Can I wait? I'm almost at the end of this level. Go ahead and have a few more minutes, honey, but after that, everybody can't wait. People file in, one by one. They all look exhausted. Ugh, everyone but Freed. He looks all high and mighty because he managed to get my kid to bed on time. Pardon me if I don't add him to the sitter rotation right away. It's me, Freed, and the rest of the jailbirds. Monty is sleeping upstairs. The rest of us sit around the round table the council uses, the ball placed at the center. It's like you can see the silence in the air. When people talk, they sound muffled, like I'm wearing earbuds. One time, I spent the whole weekend with my aunt at a theme park in Nebraska. A real one. Its claim to fame was the Great Plains, a roller coaster that was flat and strapped you in standing up, then slid you around vertically so that it felt like you were going to slide away. She laughed like hell the whole time. I nearly threw up. And the whole weekend left me feeling like I feel now. Worn down. So exhausted. It doesn't feel like I can stand upright, running on adrenaline, wearing it like a second skin. The last night of that weekend, my aunt told me she was dying of bone cancer. She didn't have long. There was no hope. The way she brought it up. The way the whole weekend was set up. It was like... She was asking me for something. Asking for my help in a way I couldn't... I couldn't. The door opens. Louisa walks in. Followed by her singing BF. Everyone asks if I'm okay. A little bruised from my rough landing. And I can't believe I jumped from a crashing train to another one that my singing boyfriend commandeered. I feel like a silent movie character. <laughs> you know, the ball is sitting in the center of the table. I mean, how can a person, a spirit, a, a soul be inside that dumb round thing? Is that where we all go after? Is it balls for all of us? I glance nervously at Wendell before I tell everyone what I learned from Oliver, halfway expecting he'll leave during my explanation because all of it sounds outlandish, but, but I was there. I, I heard the robots. I know what Oliver did, and Gemma confirms it. She, she said Leon told her, warned her about the robots and all. Leon was blocked from knowing, but Oliver learned, and now, well, now we all know. What happened today? I mean, it's only a matter of time before every train in Redline shuts down. 
nopes out before the robots give up like Leon did and the trains, the passengers, the residents. All of it. Gone. <sighs> when I'm done, Wendell hugs me. He looks me dead in the eyes and he says, That is absolutely insane. I knew it. But then... But then he hugs me again and he whispers, but I believe you. And I'm so glad that you're okay. I keep hearing the sound of the train crash in my head. And I can't help but imagine just the, the physics of it. You know, the twisting metal and breaking concrete extending outward, inward, recklessly crashing against whatever is in its path. Whatever stands against the multitude of chaos and the force of its collapse. <sighs> then a sound distracts me. It's Nika. <laughs> she, she's laughing. She, she looks shaken up, and she's covered with construction dust. I mean, all of them do, as if they escaped from the crash I heard. But she's smiling and shaking her head. <laughs> Nika, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's, it is kind of funny, right? Like, it's very Leon. Not only does he, like, will himself out of existence, he's going to take the whole city with him, too. <laughs> She's right. As horrible as it all is, it hits me in that moment. The pure absurdity combined with the absolute correctness of it all. We all chuckle. And then we all laugh. It's true. But there's another part of him that seems so perfect for this moment. And I almost say it out loud. But as I'm thinking it, Charlotte and Isaiah rush into the room. I run over to hug them both in an awkward lump of bodies. I squeeze her so hard, glancing at Isaiah to make sure he's not uncomfortable. He actually squeezes harder than I do. I know he's worried about Isabel. She stayed with the yard goat players, distracted the robots with Omi so that Isaiah and I could get away. Someone always has to be in jail around here, swear to God. Oh well. We got through one breakout. Might be time to plan another. Um, I was, I was gonna say. The whole thing... With Leon dying, with Leon practically taking down Redline, is it, it is very much like him. But so is this. This room, all the people he's brought together. That's who he is to me. That's his legacy. It's not giving up. It's not a nope so powerful it kills cities. It's us. Not sure why everyone looks so sad. I mean, I've heard a bit of this Leon guy, but I figured it might make sense to ask. Not to stick out, but what's going on? As if on cue, the ball rolls over to me from its spot on the table. I pick it up. I tried to help with the breakout. I tried to help with the breakout. With the protest. With all of it. With all of it. But it's too much. But it's too much. And now I must rest. And now I must rest. At Gemma's words, even the people who didn't know him, who don't know what's coming next, seem to understand. Several people bow their heads, people I don't even know. Dimitri and I should do it. He asked us to. Nika, I don't know. I don't know if I can... Hey, it's okay. I, I can do it. I'm not... 
I'm not afraid anymore. The ball belongs to Gemma. Only she can use it. Only she can break it. <sighs> Is that what the instructions say from Magic Staples? Surely you must know by now. It's not the ball that's special here. It's you. You're the reason the spirit transferred. You summoned it with the power of an experienced mage. Extremely impressive, given your condescending dismissal of all things arcane at the time. But you possess this object in more ways than one. And so its fate, and the fate of Mr. Stamatis, is quite literally in your hands. I don't want to. I don't want it to be me. Gemma. Please. Please. For him. I heard a lot of you in this room. I've lied to you. I've kept things from you. I've pushed you into doing bad things for me. I've ridiculed you. I've underestimated you. I've literally arrested you. And in the case of Leon, I... I used you. Like you weren't even a person. And maybe it's because I couldn't see him? That made it all so much easier. I, I promised you I'd make that right. And I will. But you all need to know this is the hardest thing I've ever been asked to do. Because... Because he's so good. He deserved better. He deserves so much better now. You said it yourself. He he helps people. And now he's brought us together. Like a family. What's better than that? Oh my god. Michael. I, I need to call Michael. I, it... Michael? You need to come down here. You need to get down to Wonderland right away. Gonna take five before I continue. News. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, just checking in again. Uh, how are you holding up? Um, better today. It's still a bit strange to take in. What on earth was he doing on that train with, with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, um... Well, it sounds like he was trying to stop whatever happened from happening. And, you know, he saved a lot of people in the process. Nearly everyone. Most of that will be overshadowed by the uh, celebrity death, but... Um, you there? Yes, that's... that's good to know. It's very good to know. You're not just telling me that, right? Uh, absolutely not. No. Um, it's it's part of the uh, the uh, the article that I'm I'm writing on what what happened in. Uh, uh, it's on um, it's on Oliver. That will help, then. I can tell Ada his father was a bit of a hero in the end. You can. Uh, you you should. How can you say that after everything Oliver did to you? Um, be- because he was. You know, 
he can be a villain to me and a hero to others. I look, it, it, it doesn't change who he ultimately was, but he still chose to change. And I like to think people are capable of the best in themselves right up until the end. That's so quintessentially Michael Tate. <laughs> Glad I have a identifiable brand. <laughs> um, but I, I wish I, wish I felt it at this moment. Um, admittedly, I'm, I'm struggling writing this one. I can't imagine how difficult it must be. But you'll find your way through. You always seem to. <laughs> oh, careful. You're, you're starting to sound like my biggest fan. I'm your hype gal. Always in your corner. On that note, though, this isn't easy, but I think... I think it may be a bit before I can see you again. Oh, um, oh, okay, yeah, uh, sure. Trust me, I'm dying to tell you to drive down here right this instant, but... Ada. Yeah, he... I... I'm not sure that would be good for him right now. Oh, of course. I look. I, un- I understand. Uh, just, uh, just, just let him know. I, I'm thinking of him, and uh, and I'm here for the the both of you. Uh, whenever you're ready. Uh, whenever, um, whenever that might be, and uh, hopefully, hopefully sooner, uh, rather rather than later. But uh, you know, no pressure. No pressure. How are you so cute? Oh yeah, I work out. You know, at the at the at the cute gym. I think you've seen it. It's uh, yeah. I just deadlifting kittens, bunnies. Uh, you know, doing curls with the the puppies. Uh, leg days. Leg days are are ferrets. So. <laughs> you need to get new jokes. Oh, but but these are the good ones. I'll speak to you soon. Oliver West. You'll find your way through. Oliver you may seem to. West. Oliver. Oliver West. Oliver West. Oliver West. Oliver West. Oliver West, Oliver West, Oliver West, Oliver West, Oliver West, Oliver West. Let's see. 37, changing to 13. 37. Family members. Enriching the family. Much good fortune, providing support to each other. Things go very well. Hey, L.A., how's it hanging in Hollywood? You need to come down here. Uh, where's here? Uh, where are you? You need to get down to Wonderland right away. I don't know. Something about today feels off. It's like, well, it's a little like, don't 
laugh. Everyone laughs when I tell this story. But when I was younger, I had a hamster, okay? And I read a book about wild hamsters. You know, the ones that live in fucking fields and take naps in flowers. I thought, why shouldn't Hamlet? Yes, his name was Hamlet. We're not... It's because his mother slept with his father's brother after... His name was Hamlet, okay? So I took him outside to parks and, like... You know those little overgrown patches that used to happen between buildings before the gentrifiers came around? Yeah. But it didn't work. I'd come over, set his maze of plastic tubes in the grass, and he just wouldn't leave. I think he found the maze comforting. Like, no matter what was outside, if he took a left turn at the blue tube, he'd be in his nice little nest, you know? But I kept trying, and one day I piled just enough food for him to convince his tiny little hamster ass out of the plastic and into the grass. And it was like, can a hamster look shocked? I swear, he looked shocked. And you know what happened next? Fucking crow. Swooped out of nowhere, and his little hamster scream was the last thing I ever heard from him. Today feels a little like that really quiet moment when the crow was flying away and his scream was too far to hear. I don't know. Today has me thinking about him. Rest in peace, Hamlet. In a non-traditional way, my father died not of COVID. uh, And we were not, we didn't have a relationship. So the way I found out is I got his death certificate in the mail three months after his funeral. And then I called up my sister, and that was the first time we had ever talked. uh, And we met up, and... We went out to dinner, and we just kind of talked about our dad. And that was the most I ever learned about that man in my entire life. Uh, And then the rest of that summer, this was 2019 going into 2020, uh, was kind of just spent grieving in a really strange way because it's hard to grieve someone who you never really knew but it it was what i was doing and i mean that'll still come back to this day because the grief process is fucking weird um but yeah no that was um it was just one random day i get a letter from a like a florida medical examiner and it's like surprise your dad's dead and i'm like whoa and then i started crying uh, I didn't go, whoa, because this isn't a roller coaster. I went, holy shit, what the fuck, m- uh, mom? Uh, and then that was the next, like, several months of my life. I had a friend once who was, like, my best bud. We did everything together. School projects, concerts, learning to skateboard. We were tight. And he was super cool. I don't mean like popular kind of cool. I mean like he was generous and always helped me with stuff and just real nice. And then we got older and started like dating girls. But with girls, he'd say things and sound the same as ever. Like he was being friendly and helpful. But what he'd be saying was like secretly mean. Kind of telling her all the ways he wished she were different. He'd act like he was giving her helpful advice when he was actually trying to make her do what he wanted. He was just, like, totally shitty. 
and I'm sorry for swearing, but like, that's just the right word for it, you know? And I told him, dude, don't be like that. And he was like, dude, I gotta. So then I was like, no, dude, you don't gotta. Nobody's gotta. And finally, he's just like, my dude, you just don't understand girls. And I realized, yeah, he's always been nice to me, but that doesn't mean he's nice. Sometimes people aren't who you think they are. Sometimes you just have to look at who they are with other people. So I, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I cut ties all at once. Bam. Total unfriending. I really, really miss the person I thought he was. But that person wasn't real. It was like I'd had an imaginary friend disguised as a real person. The real person was still there. But my friend was gone. Wonderland seems so empty today. It isn't. There are people there. But no one I know. No familiar faces. Not that anyone really talks to me. The people I know certainly don't. And the people I don't know still know me. I'm allowed to stay out of mercy, but I'm not welcome. Like an old-fashioned Puritan shunning. I can't resent it. I understand. But still, it's difficult to have no one to talk to. Today, there was no one even around to ignore me. All the people I recognize, gone at once. It was obvious something significant was happening. I found out from the news. The protest. The jailbreak. A noble stand. A new turning point in the history of Redline. It's only right that I wasn't invited. I know that. I don't even have a work assignment at Wonderland. That's the appropriate arrangement for everyone else. Everyone is welcome, but everyone contributes. Except me. I filled out all the forms, listed my skills, abstract though they admittedly are. No call came. Nobody wants my help. Why would they? They've seen how I leave work unfinished. How my attempts to help only ever make things worse. They don't want my contribution. They just want me to leave. My mother left. I've never felt angry toward her. It was necessary. I've always understood that. My father wasn't any kinder to her than he was to me. If anything, he was harder on her. I was a child, but he treated her like a child too. His lectures, his judgments. He was always the one who knew what was right. She wasn't allowed to have her own values or moral sensibilities any more than I was. So I could never be angry at her for leaving. No, what made me angry was that my father stayed. He knew their marriage was loveless and miserable. He wasn't happy either. She told him to go, begged him to. If only he'd left, she wouldn't have, and everything would have been better. But he refused. He would not abide the disgrace of divorce. That's what he said. What was joined in the eyes of God cannot be unjoined. Better to suffer than to separate. He's no quitter, my father. He's proud of that. 
So he stayed. And I stayed. And she left. And one of us got to be happy. I hope. I tell myself so at least. If she got to be happy, then at least it was all worth something. I loved Claudia. I really did. I wanted nothing more than to spend my life with her. And so I left, before any of that could change. I didn't know that I was to be a father. If I'd known, would I have stayed? I hope so. But I'll never know. I left my son before I knew I had a son. I remain in Wonderland because that's where my son is now. Except he isn't. When I woke this morning, he wasn't there. His possessions weren't there. His clothes, his locks, his duffel bag, his comb and his toothpaste. All were gone. I tried to call him, but it didn't even go through to voicemail. I tried to email him, but my messages returned to me, undeliverable. And then I saw the pizza. There, in the kitchen, on one of his tray tables. I didn't want to open it, but I opened it anyway. I thought there would be a message, but there was nothing. No anchovies, no fennel. Just an uninterrupted expanse of oily and congealed mozzarella. But I understood the message anyway. I know what sort of being leaves pizzas in a kitchen. It's right there in the logo of the corporate franchise. I know the verb that such beings have become. The circle sublimely comes full round. Croatoan. I am abandoned. This is just. Just what? Hmm? No, just. Just. Like justice. But the adjective. Huh. You sure got a lot to say, don't you? I apologize. There was no one for me to talk to at Wonderland. So I came here. I didn't mean to impose. Nah, buddy. It's all right with me. And not really in much of a talking mood today. Yeah, my birth is in the shop, so, eh, you know, just riding the rails while I wait. Still, it's nice to hear a voice, though. And I don't mind listening. I mean, if there's one thing people say about me, it's, that Marlow, he's a good listener. So, always listening, that's me. Well, I don't mind listening if you want to keep talking. Thank you. Yes, I think I would. Something to steady the nerves, I think. My goodness, what has gotten into me today? Chamomile, hibiscus, lemon ginger? Hmm. Chamomile, I think. Oh, look at that. Look at that handsome, distinguished gentleman. Who is my sweet boy? Who is the sweetest kitty boy in the world? Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are perfect. <laughs> whiskers? Oh, whiskers. Whiskers, I'm so sorry. 
baby, oh baby, I'm so sorry. Come here, my love. Hey, it's all right. Hey, it's okay. My boy, my sweet little kitty boy. It's okay, I know. I know. Come here. Come here. Here, have a treat. Yes, that's a good boy. Sweet boy. Darling boy. It's okay. It's okay, my love. It's okay. Something is wrong. The truck is running idle for a moment. He stops short. The truck brakes, pulls over to the side of the road. The driver grips the keys, turns the truck off. Opens the cab and steps outside. the hood, walks in the gravel to hoist it up, and inspects the engine. He closes the hood firmly and gets back inside the truck. He slides the keys into the ignition, but doesn't turn it yet. does. It's with a sense of loss. Something is gone. Something like his truck. But maybe even more important. Something that helped him in ways he can't understand. Something, someone, has moved on. And there's only one thing that can be said. truck. Hey, it's me. Guess what? It's done. Final draft submitted moments ago. All that's left to do now is wait. But it's really happening. After all this time, I'm really about to publish my first novel. Yeah, I know. Hey, you know who I was thinking about today? Leon Stamatis. Yeah, from middle school. I know I've told you, back then I... Yeah, I was a real shit to him. I don't know. I guess he was really nice. Like, genuinely nice. Not like those kids that are... Yeah, like that.
and he was nice to me. Didn't have a lot of people in my life who were nice to me. I mean, what with... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into all that. The point is, this one kid, he was nice to me. And I just... I don't know, I just couldn't take it. I kept waiting for the punchline, like, where's the moment where he finally drops the act? And then I just got tired of waiting, I guess. I just felt like, let's do this already, you know? Get it over with. But the thing is, it was never an act. He never stopped being nice. Now, nice isn't the right word. He was kind, even to me. Even when... Well, even when I didn't deserve it. And after a certain point, I started to feel like maybe... Well, if this guy, who I had been so horrible to, if this guy could be nice to me... Well, maybe other people could be nice to me, too. And maybe I should even let them. A lot changed for me because of him. Not around me. It was still years before anything around me really started to change. But somehow, things were still different for me. I saw it all differently. So, anyway, the point is, I figured out the dedication to the book. Sent Oh, God, I wish. I wish I could. I don't know if he was ever really a sci-fi fan, but I'm sure he would have read it either way, just so his congratulations could be genuine, you know? He was like that. But he, uh... He died a few years ago, so... Um... Anyway, sorry to bother you at work, but I thought you'd want the good news. Maybe we can get dinner out tonight, you know, to celebrate... Oh, that sounds perfect. Okay. I'll see you tonight. Love you, too. It was crazy. I almost died. Like, I almost wasn't here. I had to leap ten feet from one moving train to another. And and, and my baby. We had to throw my baby first. I mean, it was, it was like an action film. Did you all see that Tate's got his own publication now? The Underground? Yeah. You'd think he'd have reached out when they were looking for writers. Not like he didn't work with a shitload of us or anything. You'd really want to work for Tate? Not a chance. Their coverage has been pretty good lately, though. I mean, between the opening of St. Ethan's, the yard goat protests, and the train derailment, their team's been pretty on point. I don't know. They didn't seem to care too much about the death of Matt fucking Damon, though. Spent a little bit too much time eulogizing that Carrington Vandermont character, if you ask me. It's like Boston's Golden Boy was a little more than a footnote. Some no-name asshole. Ugh, seriously. What an absolute shitbird. Damn. I seriously can't believe we're never gonna get to watch Too Good, Too Haunting. And, like, the -the behind-the-scenes production shots? Like, what what were they doing? Wild. It It looked insane. I mean... I know it's a tragedy that we've lost one of our nation's greatest actors, and Lord knows who Carrington Vandermort is. But if it weren't for him, a lot more people would have died. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? From what I heard, that was all Matt. Thank God Mark Wahlberg's okay, though. I know. We really dodged the bullet with that one. Imagine living in a world where Ted 3 wasn't coming out next summer. I mean, would that really be that bad? What's up your ass? I'm not sure. 
I woke up this morning and I just felt like something was missing. You know? Well, yes. Matt Damon. We've established this. That's not it. Oh, maybe they'll pull a Fast and the Furious and finish Too Good Too Hunting with Mark Wahlberg and Damon's unfinished scenes. Here's to Mark Wahlberg. To Mark Wahlberg! To Mark E. Mark. Oh, captain. My captain. My blood oath has been fulfilled. Matt Damon is dead. He is gone from this world. Except he isn't. Not really. I see him everywhere. In the news. His name on grateful banners hung from turnpike overpasses. His movies played on loops on every channel. They've torn down the sitco sign and replaced it with a tremendous illuminated recreation of Matt Damon's face looming over the city like a protective giant. The end of his life has made him legend. And my own fame feels diminished. He is dead, but still. I am in his shadow. I'm... I'm not sure. Did anyone see him leave? I think I did. Left pretty quickly. Yeah, I think... I think he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, he is gone. Michael will be back. He will. And Freed, he's babysitting. I know. They both will. Well, back to work. These stories aren't going to write themselves. This ragtag little outfit. It's far from perfect, but it sure does feel like home. Just like I've always felt at home doing this, pounding the keys and framing the story. And this time, this time it feels really like I'm making a difference. This time just feels different, and I couldn't be happier. I can't explain it, but I have this weird, bittersweet feeling like something is ending soon. I don't know, maybe it's just the internship. I used to hate coming here, but then I actually ended up loving it. Isn't that weird? (laughs) But it's, it's not just that. Something else. Something I... I can't explain. I don't know. It it might be something that... Is that a typo? Fuck me. How do you spell octobacle again? God damn it. Jeez, man. This is why I signed up to be an in-person talent. I know they need all the writers they can get to cover this story, but I'm not really a journalist. I mean, okay, I am, but I'm not, you know? Ugh. I want pizza. Maybe I'll ride out to Pinocchio's later. Fix a silly and slice of tomato basil. Did Pinocchio ever just keep lying to see how long he could make his nose? Just like, have like an epic lie-off? 
could he lie that fucker into space? Like, what kind of limits does that bad boy have? Fuck, I'm so hungry. I also think I'm kind of sad, too, and I don't know why, so... Pizza time after I write this fucker. I know they say not to reward yourself with food, but fuck that, a girl's gotta eat. My money don't jiggle jiggle. It folds. I'd like to see you wiggle wiggle. For sure. It makes me want to dribble dribble. You know. Riding in my Fiat. You really have to see it. Six feet two and a compact. No slack. I wonder if I should introduce Chuck to slack. Maybe he'd let us do some remote work if he had a way to contact us all the time. Last time I mentioned remote work, he thought I meant, like, remote controlled cars. Everyone looks kind of sad. And I kind of feel it, too. And I don't know why, and that makes me sadder. But I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm with these weirdos. Fox, I need a pen, pencil, crayon, anything. Please, quickly. Lily, are you... are you okay? What's... Pencil! Do you have a pencil? Yeah, I got one right here. Thank you! Lily, what's going on? Too much. It's all... too much. What... what's all too much? My brain feels like it's clogged. Like it's overflowing. With the protest, and the stadium, and my doctor's appointment, and the family, and... There's too much to do. Too much to think about. I gotta... I gotta write it all down. Hey, I've got you. I... I never feel like this. I don't... I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just... It's okay. I get it. I've got you. What the fuck was that? Why did you stop the coasters? What the fuck is going on? I I, I don't. I, I just... I, I, I had this... Fuck. You're going to think I'm crazy. Too late for that, bud. I, I just... You, you, you remember I told you about that old park I worked at? And how that guy died there? Yeah? Wonderworld? Wonderland. I just... I don't know. For a minute, I, I I wasn't here. I was... I was there. On the Whirladon. I was sitting right next to him. I was looking right at him. Fuck, I wasn't even there that day. I took the day off. Joey, I just... I saw him die. He just said, nope. And the light went out from behind his eyes. And then... I was back here and... And then all I could think was stop the coasters i just had to yell it i just needed it to stop i needed them to stop whoa you look you want to take the day off or maybe a few days but you're scaring me man yeah i'm okay i'm okay i just i'm just yeah no you're right yeah I'm going to go home. Fuck. 
I have learned throughout the course of my adult life to redefine what family means. Family is not about genetics to me. Family is about people who care about you and who aren't dicks. Like, don't be a dick. So I've definitely walked away from some people that are, for one reason or another, are toxic. They don't have to agree with me. That's cool. Like, I understand that I'm high maintenance as well. So I, I don't have a problem when people disagree with me, but I have a problem when people are deliberately harmful or upsetting. And so some of that was either extended family or, you know, just politically or as a fundamental mindset, we can't, there's no mutual respect there. And so better to walk away than be upset about it. Then in 2019, my father died. He, I knew that he was struggling. We were doing all that we could for him, but there's limits to what you can do. You can't fix another person. And so he lived with us in Salem, but he died in Las Vegas. And I'll never know why. I'll never know what happened because he had round trip tickets. He had just, he'd gone through a bad divorce and had sold the house and had just gotten his portion of the proceeds from selling the house. And so he was traveling. And so he had round trip tickets for that. He had already done two prior trips and he had three other trips planned later that year. So I, I'm never going to know why, why Las Vegas, what happened, what didn't happen could we have helped? Could we not have helped? I, that's And so there's a, there's a goodbye that has to happen after the fact. And we have developed a, a tradition in our family of we, we have a little, a little fireball in the backyard. You know, it's not a, not a built-in fire pit, but a little guy that you can get at Home Depot, you know, and we'll build a fire and we bring out stationery and we write notes to the people that we need to say something to that aren't in front of us. And we burn that because that's sort of the most effective means of delivery because I don't, I don't need them to read or hear it. I need to say it. Where I grew up, you could see the entire Milky Way. I miss it sometimes, you know? Like, I look out the window at night and the sky isn't really dark and it's like, fuck, man. There's a whole universe out there, and I'm in fucking Boston. What am I even doing? Hey, Mom. I know it's kind of last minute, but is there any chance we could do tuna mac for dinner? Oh, of course, sweetie. That's easy enough. We'll save the salmon for tomorrow night. Does Ernie like tuna mac, too? <laughs> yeah, I introduced him to it. He was suspicious at first, but he came around. Ah, they always do. It was the same thing with your mother. It's just the perfect comfort food. And I could use some comfort food right now. Everything all right? You know, your mother and I think you might be working a little too hard at the post office. You should come up and see us more often. No, I... I mean, you're probably right. I should take it easier. I just have this uneasy feeling. Couldn't pin it down to save my life. But please don't worry. I'm sure it'll pass. Oh, I'm not worried about a little mailman. Nothing you can't handle. <laughs> Nothing a little tuna mere can't cure. Thanks, Mom. I love you. 
I love you too, sweetie. There's a feeling Isaiah has told me about before. FOMO? Fear of missing out, that's it. Strange thing to feel when you're locked up. Of course, I'm missing out. But there's something specific I'm missing, and... I wish I was there for it. I'm proud of standing up to Redline again. I, I hope the plan worked out. Wish it would have worked without more people in jail. Those robots move faster than I expect being powered by cheese. Are they powered by cheese? Or do they just look somewhat cheesy? I swear to God, the more I know, the less I understand. Ome went to go represent me, her, and the whole Yard Goats team in a meeting with the city's attorney. So it's just me by my lonesome. <laughs> I could use a hug right about now. I hope Isaiah doesn't do anything foolish like trying to let me out. Ome comes back smiling. I hug her harder than I probably should, and she says, We're getting out. All of us. I'm stunned. Emily is releasing us? She shrugs. Says we'll be out by morning. For some reason, this feels strange, too. Like what we accomplished wasn't even real. Wasn't even a sacrifice. That's not true. But the FOMO won't fo-go. Good thing I kept that one to myself. Contracts. 
solid, bumping up against each other. I could take your shape, but never be like you, never, never. One, two. Stars. 
Sip my drink Stop to think If memories ever get tired Pictures of rivers I still remember Rusts down the line Now it's gone And there's an old song to sing With old Something. few years I've actually lost um, my father and my uncle I was incredibly close with my uncle um, and that was really hard that was incredibly hard Um, but I think that we have a wonderful support in our family and so we've really been able to lean on each other and so I'm really grateful for that Um, but it was very sudden yeah I'm glad you had the support there I'm sure everybody needed each other Exactly. Um, but it's, it's also hard for my grandmother losing a child, you know? Yeah. You always think that it's going to go, um, like your children are going to go after you, right? So you don't have to see their pain or their misery. Um, but as long as we're there for my grandmother and our family, I think we move forward together. But I just, it's the memories that really hurt, right? Yeah. And you just think about it and you're like, oh my goodness. Like we used to go skiing every, um, as a family, my uncle would take us skiing every um, Martin Luther King weekend. And we'd go up to Vermont and it was the first time I had ever skied before in my life, right? Um, and he just kept on yelling, pizza, pizza, pizza. So every time, no, I'm serious. So every time I like think about skiing or even like having a slice of pizza, I think of my uncle just yelling, pizza, pizza. And I mean, he would yell hard <laughs> because he's yelling now, chasing us down a mountain. Pizza. And you're just like, you're trying to get your feet right. And you're like, but they're not, they're not turning. <laughs> and so first teachers, first teacher. He also taught me how to drive. So whenever I'm also in the car and I hear him yelling in the side, you're leaning, you're leaning. And I'm like, I'm not that close to the line, but my mom definitely tells me that I'm leaning. <laughs> so it's definitely been um, an experience. But again, we share these memories together. I arrive at Wonderland Gates and nod at the guy inside the food truck. He even seems to understand. I wonder if he remembers my embarrassing order. Uh, Probably not. But he looks stricken, like someone asked for cheese one too many times. Oh, there's music. Something jazzy and upbeat. Laughter. A bunch of them, all together. I find Louisa and I I hug her hard. I'm so happy she's okay. I give Wendell a hug too. And Rusty. He's there too, awkwardly shrugging it off as if it was nothing, of course. Michael looks good. 
I wonder if he's going to be able to handle this. He's already said goodbye once, and it was hard. I tell them about our plan to say goodbye, and Freed went to get guarding gloves for everyone. We're going to pass Leon around from hand to hand, and we're going to dance. Dance? His request. Huh. It's true. I used to despise dancing. Mostly what I despised was the urge some people had to move their body at the spur of the moment. They would hear certain rhythms and it would control their body as if they did not have a choice. That thought used to horrify me. But now, I understand bodies, people, work like music itself. Music is controlled chaos. The right notes on the right instruments played in the right order. But often, people make mistakes among their perfectly played chords. Bum notes, they call them. And that is what life is. And I want to feel these people one last time. Their bum notes and all. As many of them as I can. And I want to do something I was good at with them. Embrace the rhythm, the chaos, the uneasy order of life, and my small place within it. We take turns, spinning around the Wonderland grounds, cradling him in our gloved hands. When it comes to my turn, I... I hesitate. I'm not sure I'm ready, but then... But then Nika helps me. She picks him up carefully and places him in my palm, and we dance together. All of us take a spin. I barely know what's going on, but sure, I'll cut a rug with the ball. I take an extra song for Aunt Izzy and Omi. They're here in spirit just as much as this Leon guy. I swing the spirit of Mr. Stamatis around to the sound of log jam whooping dance to appease the ascended eye. May he soon be embraced by her glory and light. My own personal Mary Wollstonecraft. I used to think it was her advising me. But no, it was just a colleague. Someone who I technically would have supervised at third sight. Requiem eternam tonae domine et lux perpetuam luceat eis. It's nice to dance with you, Mr. Stomatis. I know you were a quirky ex, but you're clearly very important to everyone here, especially Louisa. I'm a clumsy dancer, but it doesn't matter. Leon feels warm in my hand, a human kind of warmth, like Nika felt when I took her hand and pulled it from that cell. Rest of these fools have got nothing on my boy Leon and me. I can tell just from the sick fucking vibes radiating off him that this round mound of DDR fucking fury has sick moves. And so I break it down accordingly and show these fools what the fuck is up. And I can tell that he's happy with me for being who I fucking am. And homeboy was always in my fucking corner. Never once has he blamed me for operating the ride he died on. Nor should he. Wasn't my fucking fault. Even if I do still feel guilty about it. But it's all good. Because this round little king fucking gets it. Gets me. And I can tell that even through these sweaty, slick-as-shit garden gloves that weird guy who smells like rutabagas passed out. 
So that's got to count for something, right? Ain't one much for dancing. But I don't want to break up the party. So we do a little do si do and I pass him along. Just glad everyone's all right. Dancing like this obscures the tragedy of the whole thing. But maybe this isn't a tragedy. Maybe this is how it should be. For everyone, all the time. We lose people every day, and we have no concept of how important they were to us. I never even met this man. But I met his spirit. Damn. I need to paint this. I need to draw this. I need to remake this or something like this. A canvas, a mural, a book. I want to... I need to make art again. I look at Gemma and smile so wide I cry. We're losing someone and gaining so much at the same time. All of us. I don't really dance at first, but everyone cheers in such a way that I... I just let go. And it feels like I'm moving in slow motion. There's no judgment. Not anymore. Dimitri, Luisa... All their anger has just evaporated. All the anger I deserved. I look at Nika and nod. She nods back. And I cry. But they're happy tears. Because I got to be a part of something really special. And I'm still a part of it. I'm still here. And just for the moment... Cutting the imaginary ties of a restrained life. <laughs> For the first time ever, I feel free. Wild. Like I'm supposed to be. It's not all because of him. At the same time, it is. The music cuts off as Gemma hands me the ball. Everyone stops and, and looks at me. I feel like, uh, I, uh, the tension has just, just made it awkward. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if I can. It's okay. I, I'd like to, uh, maybe, um, uh, maybe, maybe say something instead. Uh, I'm too afraid. Too, too afraid that, um, that if I, if I dance with him, I'll, I'll, um, I'll try to... Yeah. We understand, Michael. Do what you need to do. <clears throat> uh, I used to think Leon was my lighthouse. Guiding me to shore. Then I learned lighthouses actually were warnings to ships in the oceans at night. You know, like... Watch out for the rocky coasts, or... Don't dock near this uncertain land. So, neither of those really work. Because, because I've, because I've learned so much about myself with Leon. And I've learned so much without him. I couldn't be the person I am without him. I couldn't be the person I am if he hadn't left all this to say uh, all this to say life does not have one 
single, easy, digestible meaning. It just doesn't. Right now, while we are here, dancing and merry, there are people out there suffering, enduring immense tragedy, war, disease, cruelty, chaos. And within all of that, outside of it too, there are people, there are people just trying to make sense of it all, to contain it, to squeeze it down as best we can into a tiny ball. And, and barely, hardly succeeding. But not giving up. Choosing to not give up. Choosing instead, in the face of all that, continue to try. We're all a part of it. We all decide. I decide you. You decide me. Choice. And I'm choosing not to say goodbye to him tonight because... because I already did. And I never will. I never... I never could if I tried. Eight. Eleven. Five. Four. Nine. One. Seven. Six. Ten. Three. Twelve. Two. Um. I spoke at Leon's first service. It, it was a bit awkward because... I felt like I only knew him somewhat. I mean, I talked about how he was so good at dancing, but hated to go. I think it's a testament to Leon's spirit, his literal spirit, that he's so goddamn stubborn that he not only refused to die, but that he's grown in death. And here we are, you know? Boogieing down with the best damn dead man I've ever had the honor to know and love. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Leon. Nika, you, you spoke at a service. Do you want to? No. Uh, I was able to then. I, I just want to say it broke me up a bit, and I focused on that and I didn't allow myself to remember the good times but I'd like to give Dimitri a chance to say goodbye he didn't get to last time oh Nika you did it you both did it I'm so proud of you tonight I learned that that there's a risk we could be losing a whole city when I left home last time it was to explore the unknown find all sorts of hidden treasures, solve mysteries. And some of you may think I'm speaking in metaphor, given how outlandish this is going to sound. Keep in mind we're at the wake for my dead brother trapped in a magical ball. I found the lost city of Atlantis, or something like it, buried at the bottom of the ocean, magnificent and dead. 
I don't know what happened exactly, but I can't let anything like it happen here. Not even in whatever Redline has become. Not for all my brother fought for. I'm not speaking for all of you, but I wanted to let you all know. After tonight, I'm continuing to fight for Redline. Not the one that is, the one that can be. I'll fight with you, even if it's just the two of us. However I can. We all form a circle around them as they hug. And then the vet girl, Mallory, she heads to the controls for the Ferris wheel. It lights up, bright, round, loud. And we all load up into the swinging buckets, one by one. We save one for Aunt Izzy and Omi. I wish they were here. I know they feel it, though. We all do. The last car arrives. There's room for me and Nika. Gemma is in between us. Gemma and Leon. I cut the music. Doesn't feel right. And I lift them into the sky. When we get to the top, Mallory turns it off. And we hang there, touching shoulders. Are you ready? Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, Leon. What's he saying? He's... He's giving the weather report? What? Is he... Is he having one of those episodes? No. No. He's with it. Having so many of us around him helps. Warm and humid tonight? 33% chance of rain later. Now here's Dimitri with the traffic report. Here's Dimitri with the traffic report. (laughs) All clear on Sturro for once. Slight backup on 95... Here's our girl on the street, Nika. There's nothing. There's nothing new under the sun for once. There's just peace. This is Nika Stomatis for the Stomatis Family News Hour. Signing off. I squeeze the ball. And I tell him how I feel with my touch. Because it's too much to think it. To say it. Thank you, Gemma. Too much. Thank you. I lean my body out of the metal basket, which sways around me. And I think about a list I made once. And I shut my eyes. Goodbye, friend. And I throw as hard as I can. Trying to help break out of checkmate. Greater Boston is created by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreessen, with help from T.H. Ponders, Bob Ramunda, and Jordan Stillman. Recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. This episode was sound designed by Jeff Andreessen and written by Alexander Danner, Itme, T.H. Ponders, Bob Ramunda, Jordan Stillman, Theo Wolf, and Jeff Andreessen. Dialogue editing by Bob Ramunda. Portions of this episode were recorded at the Bridge Sounds and Stage, with recording engineers Javier Lam and Alex Allenson. In order of appearance, this episode features Sophie Barron as Lucia, Graham Rowett as bartender, Eli Hamada McElveen as man in bar, Vinay Nariani as Fat Stanley, Adam Raymunda as Stinky Pete, 
Neil Johnson as Weasel, Kenny Garcia as Bruce Bosley, Jordan Cobb as Valiance Johnson, Lydia Anderson as Gemma Linzer Coolidge, James Johnston as Dimitri Stamatis, Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis, Nora Van Driesen as Monty Linzer Coolidge, James Capabianco as Freed Friend Paletti, Cornelius Moore as Sean from Brockton, Ian DePriest as Brian Brown, Richard Penner as Thomas Thomas, Tal Manier as Florence, Austin Allen as Moving Person, Cass McPhee as Jimmy, Tanya Malojevic as Wanda McIntosh, Tyrell Worrell Jr. as Legion Assistant, Daisy Guevara as Cavalin, Sam Musher as Emily Bespin, Rick Zeef as Mayor, Bonnie Calderwood Aspinwall as Jackie, Lark Roddenbush as Dina. Mike Linden as Funeral Director, Beth Eyre as Autumn West, Julian Danner as Ada West, Julia Propp as Louisa Alvarez, Summer Unson as Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Mario DeRosa Jr. as Isaiah Powell, Brayden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, James Oliva as Michael Tate, Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, Sawyer Green as Frankie, Ishani Connick Carr as Lily of the Small Urban Community Garden, Caleb Del Rio as Fox Fossil Jenkins, Sarah Shackett as Joey, Gabrielle Urbina as Edgar, Tozaman as Abdul, Jay Townsend as Oswald, Josh Rubino as Bernie, Mama Bang Bang as Candace. Esther Ellis as Vincenzo Wellington, James Capabianco as Professor Paul Montgomery Chelmsworth, Mike Linden as Marlo Beauchene, Claire Lopez as Pauline, Mike Linden as Guy, Pat King as Danny Campanelli, C.H. Ponders as Roger, Jim Johansson as Jonas Wright, Jordan Stillman as Allison, Bob Remunda as Tom, Eli Barraza as Natalie, Felix Trench as Mark Wahlberg, Kristen DiMercurio as Nicole Fonzarelli, Gabby Hall as Penny, Rocky Goldman as Jamie, Jessica Washington as Isabel Powell, Oliver Morris as Singer, Jenny Pan as Petal, Mike Linden as Wendell Jorgensen, Arun Senati as Tyrell Fredericks, Joanna Bodnick as Mallory, James Johansson as Rusty, and Ben Flamenhoft as Uriah Connolly. Charlie on the MTA, recorded by Emily Peterson and Dirk Teedy. Pictures of Rivers, written by Oliver Morris and Jeff Andreessen and performed by Oliver Morris. Train Jam and Circus Music by Adrian Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Teedy. Eulogy for Leon by T.H. Ponders. Interviews recorded with real Boston residents. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash greaterboston. This season is dedicated to Vicki Anderson, Harry Melia, Ellen O'Keefe, Zachary Winterton, and everyone we've lost in these past few years. Greater Boston is a Third Sight Media production. This message is for Nika Stamatis. My name is Uriah Connolly. As you may or may not know, I was the owner of the apartment occupied by your brother, Leon Stamatis, at the time of his unfortunate passing. I'm sorry to call you out of the blue like this, so many years beyond the point when I should still be contacting the relatives of a deceased former tenant, but an issue has arisen that requires the attention of Mr. Stamatis' next of kin. Although I have communicated previously with your living brother, Dimitri Stamatis, the number by which I contacted him is no longer in service. That's why I'm now calling you. I was cleaning a rental property after the departure of my most recent tenants. 
While doing so, I discovered an envelope that had fallen behind one of the standing radiators. I had not discovered the document in question until now. It was caught in an elevated position between the wall and the radiator itself, well hidden from view. But I noticed it by chance on this occasion, when I happened to glance directly downward while washing the window above it. I could not reach to retrieve it by hand, but with the use of a yardstick I was able to dislodge it so it fell to the floor beneath the radiator. It was significantly older than I expected, belonging not to the most recent tenants, but to your brother, Leon Stamatis. I am hopeful it is not yet too late for this document to be of use to you or Mr. Stamatis' other loved ones. I cannot explain my instinct in this regard, but I somehow feel it has turned up at precisely the correct moment for its execution. What I have found is Leon Stamatis' last will and testament. I look forward to your return call so we can make arrangements for delivery to you at your earliest convenience. Thank you, and God bless. Is that where we all go after? Is it... <laughs> Did you write this? <laughs> Sorry. I got a thing with balls. Fuck Mark Wahlberg. Not a chance. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> Yikes. Oh. Not a chance. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bob. That was awful. <laughs> oh, that was bad. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to edit this. Yeah. You think he'd have... <clears throat> Cheers. So Mark, I'm trying to think of what's his least cherished role. <laughs> I couldn't think of whatever he had to. The perfect storm. What's, is he, what's his character name in Planet of the Apes? Oh, God. Is it the same character? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know which, whose name I also don't know. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I think it's like Joe. Is it Joe? Oh, my. I mean... Surely he's played a many a Joe. This time. <laughs> the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hey there, we're DM to GM. I'm your DM from Dungeons and Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from the end of time and other bothers, Sean Howard. What we like to do around here is answer the questions that you have about tabletop RPGs and get you started feeling comfortable playing games around your table. We want to share our real experiences, what we've learned, what's been helpful, so that other people can get going. And because and a lot of these hurdles are just in their head. So find us every other week wherever you listen to podcasts or visit dm2gm.com. DM to GM. Get your game started.